Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff. These are real crime stories. And today we have uh, an excellent, actually, a frequent flyer. He's been on Police Off the Cuff, but he's never been on real crime stories. And he's sort of a legendary detective. His name is Mike Heinrichs. And he spent most of his career in the 6 7 squad. He retired out of Brooklyn South Homicide. And uh, Mike happens to be one of the most highly decorated uh, detectives in the history of the New York City Police Department. I know everyone says that. I was just reading a book about the mafia cop, Louis Polito, and he said he was. He had about 16 mm. medals, you know, if, unless he counted the 14 homicides he did, you know. <laughs> but anyway, Mike actually is one of the most highly decorated detectives in New York City Police Department history. Two combat crosses, two medals of valor, and over 200 department citations. But that's not what this is about today. Today, this is about a story that Mike's going to tell about a homicide that he investigated when he was a member of Brooklyn South Homicide. Hey, Mike, how you doing? Welcome to the show. Okay, Bill, how you been? Nice to see you again. Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. I see right. you got your buff shirt on. Yes, <laughs> gotta break it out, out once in a while. <laughs> You're buffing out a little bit, that's all right. Yeah. No more free drinks, no more free drinks, but you know, uh, <laughs> what can you do, right? So what are you gonna to talk to us about today, Mike? All right. Um, like I said, I spent a lot of time between the six, seven and, and Brooklyn South homicide. I had, um, quite a few cases. I caught you know, well over a hundred myself, but, um, most of the cases were pretty much the, the same theme ran through them, you know, just maybe the, you know, the time and the names would, you know, were different, but every much you know, the case was pretty much the same. Mm -hmm. uh, but this case, um, I had in the six one in 2002 and, um, it was a little bit of a different twist. Um, what happens is, is that, um, just to give you a quick overview, um, uh, we find a body on the beach. I'll start off on the, I guess I should start off on the beginning and then yeah, sure. we'll just go through and just say, like I said, it's a little bit, a little bit different than, uh, your usual street type case. Okay. So it, it starts off, um, like on a quiet Sunday, you know, um, usually when you do the turnaround and nothing happens in the morning, you feel you're good, you're good for the day. Right, you're going to watch football that Sunday. day or baseball. You're going to watch some yeah. kind of sport that day, right? But um, uh, this, it didn't happen. We got a call from the 6-1 squad um, that it had a DOA that washed up on Plum Beach. Uh, Plum Beach is a, a parking area uh, on the eastbound side of the Bell Parkway. Um, now you get a lot of, um, you know, guys that do the uh, surf, windsurfing and stuff there. But back then it was uh, an open air or sex market. Um, all types of things. Gay, gay sex area? Gay sex, straight sex, voyeurs, uh, whatever, whatever you wanted. Um, you could pr probably find it there. Yeah. Um, but in any event, we got called, you know, by the squad. We went out and met the squad and we found, uh, we were directed to a, a body. Well, Mike, um, let me just, let me just stop you there for one second. And okay. just to explain to our listeners in New York city, the squad, the numbered squad, officially catches the homicide it means it's their responsibility yes that's the companion detective from the homicide squad works the case with the numbered squad till the case is solved or that's correct or we're basically an assisting uh you know unit myself and my partners will go with the case detective and the squad and work together uh to bring it to a successful conclusion right and it's sort of i think the rules were sort of meant that they didn't want the homicide squad making the arrest because that would cause a lot of animosity with the detectives and the normal squad, the numbered squads 
who don't always get a chance to catch as many homicides as the the homicide squad. Yes, yeah. and that's the case with the six one. It is a fairly slow command in regards to homicides. Right. Although they they have you know they had their share. And uh, one thing about the six one squad, no two cases were the same. Now, what what specific um, area of the city is the six one? Uh, it covers Sheepshead Bay. Okay. Uh, which is mostly a Russian or East European neighborhood. Um, it's got some Italians left over, and it even has a set of projects. So it's a middle uh, class to upper middle class. Uh, yes, pretty much so, yes. Yeah. Okay. okay, so we start off where, with Director to the Body. I meet the case detective. Her name is uh, Michelle Gerlich. Uh, she was a young, you know, young detective in the squad, and this was going to be her first murder. Wow. Um, <laughs> now, what people that wash up um, or floaters, a lot of times, um, you know, they're not homicides. You turn out they're suicides, they're accidentals, or they just wind up as being cuppies. Um, but this case was uh, going to be a Mike, just, just for the lingo, a cuppy stands for circumstances undetermined pending police investigation. Correct. Someone from Wyoming is not going to know what a cuppy is. No, I guess not. <laughs> Yeah, it's basically we have a dead body. We don't know what happened. We don't know what the hell happened. If the Emmy can't help us and say uh, X, Y, and Z happened, then we don't know what happened. So it's a fancy acronym. That yes, pretty much, yes. Okay. Uh, but in any, like, again, this case was not going to be um, either one of those. It was clearly a homicide. Um, the body uh, appeared to be a young male black, and he was bound and wrapped in uh, garbage bags. And he had washed up on shore... Um, and was found by a dog walker. And just real quick, I just want to say, and Donnie, Harbor was not involved, just so he knows. My friend Donnie likes to tell Harbor stories, and he's <laughs> going to try to jump in on this one. <laughs> no Harbor involved. involved we didn't. Uh, it was a, strictly a dog walker. So, um, so we had that. Um, and, um, you know, basically what we do at that point, we don't, we don't really do anything. We wait for the medical examiner investigator to come. We don't want to disturb any of the, uh, you know, uh, the clothing that the person may have or, or the, the knots tied to bound, bind him or, or, or whatever. And actually, so, there could be um, fingerprints on if they were, it was wrapped in hefty bags that possibly yes. could be. And I also, mean, if there was tape, duct tape, used, right. there could so, be fingerprints in that also. Right. So, I mean, we were able to see in the bag, I guess, what the, you know, what the, it was in the ocean for, we believed at least, uh, you know, you know, at least a month or so, who knows, really, it's hard to tell. Uh, but we were able to see in the bag, but the medical examiner investigator came and did a little preliminary search and told us that it appeared that he was stabbed several times. The person was stabbed several times, um, but we're going to leave it alone and we're going to take the body back to the medical examiner's office and tomorrow we're going to do an autopsy. Um, so we pretty much, um, that's what we do. Um, so with that, I mean, this case, you know, it's, it's going to be a homicide, but it's not officially a homicide yet. It's on a Sunday. So there's really no um, panic or pandemonium as you would have with a, a, a shooting or a fresh case that just happened. Right. You know, it is, you know, nobody's calling from the, you know, the headquarters. Nobody wants answers to questions you know, uh, that, that, you know, we don't have yet. So we have a little bit of time to, um, to Brooklyn do on a Sunday afternoon in the six one, no one's, uh, no, all the, all the panic people are on They're still off. Yeah, yeah. They're enjoying their weekend while we're doing this. So, um, 
So uh, we pretty much wrap it up for the day. You know, we do a couple of, you know, little, you know, little fluff things, maybe checking out a little bit, anything that jumps off the squad, have anything going? No, no, no. So um, we wrap it up and the next day we go to the ME's office um, where the ME conducts uh, an examination of the body. And did you, attend, did, did you attend the autopsy? Yes, I did. Okay. In New yes, York City, did. so uh, listeners also know, uh, the homicide catching detective in the companion case of homicide are expected to attend the autopsy because if they make an arrest in this case down the road, they're going to have to testify and they be, may be asked very technical questions by yes. the defense attorney. So, yeah. So, yes, uh, never got used to that part of it. But yeah, again, you know, like I said, I had said in the past, you know, we talk about, oh, this is a great case, great case, but you have a, a, a dead human being to start yeah. off the case. Yep. And you have to, you know, absorb all that in its entirety and deal with that part of it also. But um, so we have the we have the examination done, and the ME tells us that um, our victim well wasn't uh, stabbed; he was shot numerous times, and it appears that it was done with a high-powered uh, rifle. Um, there's no ballistics uh, recovered in the body. And there's no identification that would lead us to believe, um, you know, who this person is. Now, were the, uh, was there no ballistics because the, uh, the rounds went in and out? Yes, apparently, yes. Okay. So with that, the, the other thing the ME told us is that uh, she didn't, she thought that the body was in the water for a, a, quite a long time, um, which could be, you know, Oh, when did you, you know, when did somebody last see him till today, you know, type of thing, you know, you never really, it's a lot that goes into the science of that water temperature, how he was dressed, how tight he was wrapped up and stuff like that. Um, so we move on with that. And um, so now we, you know, that she's officially going to declare it a homicide. So we're going to move along with the investigation. And the first thing we do, which really in a case like this, these cases are, um, they're difficult but uh, we got a lot of breaks with, with, with this case. And the first big break came when we identified the, uh, the victim. Right, that's, uh, that's one of the most important things in a homicide investigation, because that'll yes. open up a lot of doors to when, mm -hmm. where, who, what, how, and why, right? Yes, that's, that's, it is most, I mean, now you have a person, you can, you can put a name to the person, you can interview friends, family, you know, do a back. And this is a case where, unlike other cases, you would sort of work it backwards instead of like moving on, trying to chase people down and gather witnesses. You're going back to square one and trying to build a, a timetable from when he was last seen to when this may have happened to him. Was there a missing persons case on this? On the yes, that was another break we had. Um, his family, his mom and sister had, uh, you know, prepared a missing person report out on him, um, which... Uh, was was good in a, in a way that we knew that there was family that was looking out and, and, you know, knew, had some, obviously some background to make a report out thinking something suspicious probably happened to him. It also showed sure sort of a timeline, a little bit of a timeline. Yes, well, you know what it is, too. I'm sure they had a hard time making the report, um, you know, in the beginning. You know, it's a 20-something-year-old male, you right, know, from right. the projects. I could just see the guy in the... Uh, 124. Yeah, say, no, he'll be back tomorrow. He left or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we had a starting point. We had a big starting point. And, and the point was to go to um, 
to mom and the sister initially to um, drop the bomb or give them the bad news. And then also um, to ask them about the missing person report and say what they, you know, see what they could tell us about when they last saw them and, and that. Mm -hmm. um, so we went over to the apartment. The victim lived in, uh, his name was Alex. He lived in an apartment building or a housing project actually in Sheepshead Bay. Mike, can I no. just stop you for one second? And okay. Just, just for, again, for our listeners. What okay. you are explaining right now is something known as, in the homicide business, as a victimology. And what you're doing is you're studying, not just studying, but you're uh, developing a background on the victim. Yes. And, and how did this happen to the victim? What was the victim? Right. Who was he hanging with? Who's his family? What's right. his, does he work? What's his, his uh, financial, his drug history, his sex history? All that stuff is uh, part of the victimology. Right. And also the fact where he may have been a victim at some point, you yes. know, making out a complaint himself on someone else. But we did look into his background. He had some, you know, uh, brushes with the law, but nothing crazy, nothing jumped off that could give us a motive. Wow, he's into this or he's into that or he screwed this guy or this guy was, you know, this happened and that happened. We really didn't have anything like that at that point. Um, but um, we were able to go again to meet the family and speak to his parents. Well, actually, to his mom and his um, his sister, um, and as I said, they lived in a housing project in Sheepshead Bay, the Nostrum Sheepshead houses. Um, when we spoke to mom, mom told us that um, she had last seen him about two months prior. Now, this was in February when we got the call and found the body. Mm -hmm. um, but mom and the sis and sister had last seen him somewhere around. Um, the end of December, around Christmas time. Um, and they, 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 they told me that, listen, this guy, they call him White Boy John. He's a white kid that comes from Gerritsen Beach. He came over to the apartment and left with, with Alex. And that was the last time we saw either one of them. And we don't know what happened. And um, so we asked him a little bit, you know, like who, who's White Boy John? Who is this guy? Is he a friend, foe? Or, well, he's this type of guy. He comes from Garretson uh, Beach, which is a neighborhood near Sheepshead Bay, Marine Park in that area. Mm -hmm. And um, he apparently is a, is a white white guy, white kid that comes to the projects and is trying to front himself as being like a, a player or a gangster. He's in there. He's trying to get into the drug business and right. you know, and this, that, and the other thing. While other people are trying to get out of the ghetto, he, he's trying to get in. <laughs> um, fit. Too much MTV, maybe. I, I don't that's know. Pretty funny, right? Yeah. That's, that's funny. Yeah. People are trying to get out. He's trying to get in. He's just trying to get in. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we have White Boy John now as the person who was last seen with the victim. Now that that's his street nickname, White Boy John. Yes. That's yes. what they call him in the projects, right? Yes. Everybody referred to him as White Boy John. Okay. Sort of stuck out over there. Um, so, all right, so now we have, you know, an approximate date he went missing, and we have a person he was last seen with. Um, so it's, it's a start now. Um, it's a start to say, okay, well, who's white boy John? Well, you know, where's he from? What's, it, what's his, you know, background look like? And, and see if we can come up with something. Now, um, the first thing we do is, uh, just give me a sec. It's been 20-something years, so I got to... Uh, <laughs> You gotta fresh up on this case. How could you not remember every single thing? Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, so the fir the first thing we actually get going is is um, 
people in the projects or people uh, known to the department, let's say, um, drop us a little uh, information. And it's loose and unverified, it's hearsay, but we're getting a theme that, um, you know, the same thing that, that mom had said, white boy John is this type of guy, he's a bit of a putz, but, you know, he's in there trying to fit in and all this. And, and there's a rumor circulating that him and our victim Alex did a burglary of a drug dealer who at that present time uh, was on Rikers Island. And that white boy John had mentioned, uh, you know what, uh, I didn't do it, Alex did it, but I'll take care of Alex on behalf of the drug dealer right. in jail. So it, it was coming up with a little bit of a, you know, a motive or, or it was sort of the same thing with mom. Here he's just trying to fit in, trying to tell everybody, uh, you know, that he's going to take care of business for the kingpin who's in, you know, in uh, or on Rikers Island and stuff. So um, it, it adds a little fluff, but it doesn't bring us any anywhere near uh, to where we need to be as far did, as. Did white boy John have any kind of a significant criminal history? He did. He did. Mostly uh, nickel and dime street stuff, um, but um, his his is actually his most recent collar, which which is the one we really look into, was um, the one that put us on the track uh, of the case. Uh -huh. um, we had learned his um, last arrest um, was in um, he was arrested at the Golden Gate Hotel in Sheepshead Bay. That sounds uh, like a really five star hotel. Yeah, a lot of, uh, lot, it's what, you know, it's, it's got everything there. It's one of those places where you would bring your, uh, your other than significant other, you know, is everything from murder to drug dealers to, you know, getting a call, get over here with a cuff key, I'll explain later type stuff. <laughs> you know, it's one of those places. Yeah. Um, but when we start to look into his arrest, and particularly that last arrest, the first thing we notice is that it's it's within days of uh, him going to um, Alex's house, and you know Alex, you know it's in the time frame from when Alex went missing with him, uh -huh. and when he got arrested. Uh, we couldn't pinpoint the exact date or time, but um, he was in, um, you know, a few days appeared a few days after he left with Alex. Um, so we look at the hotel. We don't have any video and stuff. It was all, you know, that stuff was well, this all. This is in the early 90s, right? Um, this was in 2002. Oh, 2002. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. So, so we didn't have. It uh, wasn't like now where there's video everywhere. Yeah, no, there was no real video with that. Um, but a little old school piece of paper helped us out quite a bit. Remember, we used to go to hotels and they give you the printout of the phone call you made. Yeah, yeah. The movie you ordered and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got that, and that was the uh, that the was the holy gun. That was it. That was the blueprint. You know, yeah, that that you could frame that and say this is uh, this is how it went from there, right. which was which was pretty uh, which was pretty. Uh, I don't want to say funny, but it was it, it was it was good. It was good stuff. Right. Well, it's funny though. In some homicides, you can't believe how everything goes right. And in other homicides, you can't believe how everything goes wrong. I know, you know, and you know, with a case like this, now that we have, we have the subject or we believe he's looming as the guy, although we don't have anything real hot at that point, he's in jail. So we can't go talk to him, which is probably a good thing. We're not, you know, the squad boss that ran, was running the case with Eddie Alange. Um, I was a cop with him in six, seven, good guy. He got it. So everything was running smooth. There was no, and, and the fact that he was in jail, our subject, 
We can't talk to him. He has pending cases. I don't right. know if the viewers know that. Um, but you could speak to people in jail. Um, but, um, you know, if they have pending cases, you can't. They have an attorney. Yeah, they have an attorney. Right, you can't speak to them. They have an attorney task, so you can't speak to them. Right. So um, as we're looking into um, that, that note or, or that piece of paper, the hotel record, um, we see a bunch of phone calls that he made. Um, and one of them was to a, a girl who lived in Bushwick and he called her or maybe, I don't know, maybe half a dozen, at least, um, uh, maybe 10 times the couple of nights he was in there. There were a couple other phone calls, maybe about, about four or five phone calls. Mm -hmm. Um, but that one in particular was the first call he made, I believe right out of the hotel from when he got there. And he had called her several times. Um, so we ran her, came up with nothing. Um, didn't know really how she fit in. She lived on the opposite, she lived in Bushwick on, on the opposite end of Brooklyn. Um, so we, and you know, we really didn't have any idea how, how, why would he be calling her type thing. Mm -hmm. So we decided one day, so we, we gotta go, gotta go ask her, you know, do you know this guy and why is he calling you? So, so we go over to a home, we set up on a house, she comes out, we approach, speak to her, tell her who we are. Do you mind coming back to the squad? She comes back to the squad. And then uh, she drops the bomb. Um, she tells us that she had met this white boy, John, um, at Gerritsen Beach, I'm sorry, at uh, Manhattan Beach over the summer. And that he kept trying to date her and kept trying to come see her and all that. You wanted to mm -hmm. take it to the Gateway Hotel, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. He, well, you know, yeah. a gentleman doesn't ask those questions that's, when you speak it to a lady like we were. So we left that alone. But, that's right. <laughs> but um, we, um, we did ask, you know, okay, so tell us about this guy. And she, again, she said she met him at the beach and he's, you know, keeps coming over to my house. He's trying to date me. We're trying to go out. He keeps, you know, telling me what a what a gangster he is, what a tough guy, and uh, the boys of Bushwick aren't uh, aren't buying. They're not buying that tough guy. Thing. No, you know, he's like, you know, and even you know, a lot of guys from the South Projects, you know, they'd last, you know, maybe a week in Brownsville, you know, or something like that. So right, right. he's trying to really play himself off of Bushwick, and it's really not going over well. Um, but the girl is very pretty, and um, he's trying to, you know, date a heart. So. Um, but again, the theme, you know, here he is coming all the way up uh, across town to meet her and tell her what a tough guy is and this, that, and the other thing. So getting on to the story, she says one day, and this is going back uh, right around the time uh, Alex was last seen and missing, um, that white boy John came over to the house, coming over to her house, and that there was a black guy in the backseat of the car. She didn't know who he was, but he's, hey, he's a friend of mine and let's take a ride. And um, white boy John driving, the black, the black kid and this young lady take a ride. Um, they were over by um, Eastern High School over in Bushwick, Eastern District High School, and he pulls over and he goes to his trunk and he comes out with a, with a big like uh, assault rifle. And he just starts hammering the black kid, shoots him a bunch of times jumps in the car, takes off. She's in the car. The guy in the back shot up is in the car and she's in like complete shock. She doesn't know what, what the hell was, you know, going on and what the hell happened. And 
The car stops at a red light and she jumps out and runs home. Uh, never saw him again after that, but he did call her, you know, from the hotel and a bunch of times trying to see if she was going to talk and all this type of stuff. Well, you know, Mike, the, the, not the funny thing, but in, in reading some of the notes to this case, I did take note that she never called the police. <laughs> oh, why would you? <laughs> you know, I mean, like, no? usually that's the thing. You, if you witness a murder and you're not involved in it, you know, yeah, well, you know, you know what, though? She's not the only one, as you well know. Yeah. You know, a lot of people would, but a lot of people wouldn't. Yeah. You know? It was like, a, and you know what? I think it was one of these things. I knew you were coming, you know. Yeah. Oh, now, now that you asked. Wait. Yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> with some murders. Yeah, I'm not going to come you, in. But if you, you not asked, I would have never told. You know? Right, right. But if you're going to come and ask me, I'll tell you. But, yeah, you know, yeah. well, why am I going to take a ride to the precinct? <laughs> um, so with that, we're like, wow, now we have an eyewitness to the case. Um, and being that she was uh, cooperative, uh, we spoke to her a little bit more. And um, so we asked her, so when he called, you know, well, he was trying to see if I would talk and all that. And what did he ever tell you? What the first thing, you know, that came to mind is like, okay, what did he say he did afterwards? Well, he got rid of the body with, a, with his friend. And okay. Um, who, who's his friend? Uh, I don't know. I met him once or twice. He's an old junkie, lives uh, over near Bedford Avenue. His name is Dom or Dominic. I said, hmm. Now, a couple of years before that, a friend of mine that retired went to the uh, IG's office, asked me to look into a case. And I happened to run into this Dominic during that case. I had to interview him regarding the old case. So I'm like, ah, oh, does this guy happen to have like big hands? Because this guy had like big hands, like Mr. Like Mickey Mouse hands or yeah, Mr. Yeah. Hands and <laughs> the, the big, big giant hands, fingers in that. So uh, she's like, yeah, he does. I said, okay, that's, I know who that is. It's and, amazing, uh, right? Just yeah. working there. It's, you know, it's, you know, the big city. And, There's lots of people with big hands, but this is But This happens to be, you know, so. So we got that, and we also asked her about the car. We know white boy John had a car where it was, you know. No, he rents cars from uh, um, a place on McDonald Avenue where a lot of these uh, drug dealer types go and rent cars for for uh, for work and whatnot. Um, put in some work. He wanted to put yeah. in some work. <laughs> so, um, all right. So now we got we got an eyewitness, um, but you know we want more and need more, you know. Um, to, you know, to tighten everything up. So um, what we do is first we go to Dominic. And now this, this all takes like place over, it's not like next day, next day, next no, day. No. You know, it, it took about six months, I guess, for the whole process. But um, we had went to um, and, is and he scooped still up on, Dominic. Is white boy, uh, he's still in Rikers? He's still in. You know, we got to hold on him in the event. Uh, some, you know, something happens with this case or he's going to be bailed or whatever, uh, we'd be there. Right, so you um, can take your time because he's basically... Yeah, there, there's no... Nice. Yeah, he's really taking it easy, not knowing what's coming, which is yeah. good. Um, we didn't, you know, we believed he didn't know was that he didn't know, you know, that something was coming down the pipe. Yeah. But, but um, so we move on to Dominic. And Dominic, uh, who, like I said, I've met before. And all right, Dominic, you know, what happened? Well, he tells us, he tells us that one night, you know, here comes white boy John, uh, pulls up in a car with the bird. He calls it the body, the bird. 
Um, he never say the word body, but he kept saying the bird. I, I don't yeah. know if he, maybe it's like an old, uh, you know, film noir term or something, but, uh, you know, he was like an old school guy. But he says he comes by and he's got this guy and he's, you know, he's got the bird and he's shot up, he's dead, and he needs help wrapping him up. So they get some plastic bags and tape and they wrap them up real good. And this is all going on, you know, with the, you know, from driving from Bushwick to back to Sheepshead Bay where Dominic lives, yeah. with a dead guy sitting next to you, you know what I mean? Would have been a hell of a car stop for a radio car, right? <laughs> What's the matter with your friend there? Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> it's been so converted. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so Dominic, and they wrap up the body, and they drive down the block to um, Emmons Avenue, where there's a footbridge that goes over the canal, and they throw the body in the, uh, in the ocean, and that's it until today. Until, you know. until it washes up. Yes, till washes up, and uh, you know he wasn't even aware it washed up. And, I don't and, think. Mike, could you tell our listeners why the NYPD calls a floater a floater? Um, you know that story. <laughs> uh, I didn't know there was a story. Only, well, only there, there's, the... there's a reason it's called a, called a floater. No, what is that? Well, because when a body first goes into the water, it sinks to the bottom, right. and once the gases build up. It okay. Floats to the top and it floats. Floats. Where, uh, that's how. It, I just wanted to give you some NYPD history. Yeah. Okay. All right. That makes sense. I like it. Okay. <laughs> All right. You learn something new every day, right? Yes. I <laughs> believe me. <laughs> yeah, you got it. So uh, where was I now? Okay. So we have Dominic. They threw him off the bridge. Right, we threw him off the bridge, and. Now we have um, a couple other things we're looking at. Um, one of them being the rental car. And now we have, we don't have the exact time of occurrence. The, the, the girl from Bushwick, Dominic, the, the uh, sister and mom. Um, we could really pinpoint like it happened on uh, a, a certain date, but we had it pretty much narrowed down. You know, we went to the crime scene by the high school up in Bushwick, hoping to find some ballistic maybe you know, a shell was lying around or, or right. you know, some holes. There was a guardrail and fencing around by the athletic field, maybe, but we didn't come up with anything. Right. Um, but we did have um, the person who dumped the body. And then we went to uh, the rental car company on McDonald Avenue. Um, and we spoke to the uh, manager or the owner of the place, told them we were looking for a car that was rented from, you know, let's say this date to that date or maybe a week's, week's time period. Now, we didn't see any um, names belonging to any of our subjects, um, but I did notice a name, um, and I remembered the name because when I had looked at the uh, hotel uh, um, sheet, it's a name of a close friend of mine. Uh -huh. And I saw that he had called this person once um, on the hotel record, and so the name stuck in my head when I'm looking at the cars rented, boom, there's, there's the person's name. Now, did White Boy John have a credit card in the name of White Boy John to rent that car, or what? No, no, he used he used the he used the legit guy. Oh, okay. Uh, who had a driver's license and insurance and all that kind of stuff? Who had paperwork and said you rent the car? I could just see, you know, like the American Express. White, yeah. White Boy John, member since nineteen. Yeah, I'm sure they're out there. <laughs> right along with Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck and everybody else's uh, cards, you know. Why get one in your real in your right name, right? Yeah. Who does that? That's right. Crazy. 
you know? So, and which, which we, that's why we caught a break with this case because it was an older case. We'd have to deal with cell phones belonging to who and right, cell right, powers right. And, and all that kind of stuff. So anyhow, we had come up with a name that I said was called by white boy John from the hotel. Um, and I saw the name that had rented this car at the time. Okay, that's the car. That's the car we're looking for. It's got to be, right? So we, um, we asked, the, you know, who's got the car now that was rented. It was, you know, rented to somebody else. And it was, it was in the neighborhood in Brooklyn. Disregard those bullet holes in the back yeah. seat. Well, that's what happens. We'll give you a we, discount. We go, we, when we go there, we speak to the people. Hey, listen, that's your rental car out there. We got to take it. Well, we're not just take your stuff out. We got to take it. We look at the car and it's, uh, it's got the bond though. It's got holes in it and it's got stains in it. And, uh, some, something something went wrong in the car. It's our car. Is know? there a discount to rent the murder car? Yeah. <laughs> right? I'll take the you don't murder see car. This, you don't see this on a Hertz commercial. No, no, no. <laughs> this car was previously yeah. used in a murder. Yeah. Rented for a 25% discount. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, so we, we believe it's the car. We take it. You know, they give it to us, basically. We bring it to the 6-1, call crime scene, and boom. Pop the trunk, blood in it, ballistics, those are all shows in there. The blood turns out to be our victim's blood. Um, so we speak to this person who, who uh, you know, who uh, rented the car. Oh, wait, I didn't have it. You know, my friend, white boy John, you know, asked me to do it. And yeah. then it came back and I saw what happened. I said, oh, my God, I didn't know what to do and all this stuff. So uh, he was a thinker, this guy. So he happened to be in Cancun during spring break and he met some other uh, – guy from the neighborhood who had a body shop on Cropsey Avenue. So they became friends. So we said, hey, so he said, uh, hey, I got this rental car and something went wrong and it, can you fix it for me? So his buddy, you know, fixed it for him, but he didn't fix it good enough. <laughs> fixed it good enough to get the car returned and used again, but he didn't yeah, but he gave the sheep's head bay job on no, it. No, yeah, he didn't get the full, uh, should have went for the platinum package, yeah. you know? You should have gone for the wise guy. Practice, that's right. You that's find right. nothing. Now the the guy from uh, Pulp Fiction, <laughs> the wolf. Yes. He fix anything. Yeah, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, so now we got him saying who we rented the car to, and then we got, we spoke to the body shop guy and all that, and yeah, yeah, it came in by this guy, and I fixed it. I didn't know, you know, whatever. So um, we, had, we had a lot of information coming in. You know, we had pretty much everything. You know, with, with any case, um, you always want a confession, uh, but this this case we weren't going to get one because we couldn't right. speak to him. Um, um, but we did have an eyewitness. We had physical evidence to corroborate everything. There, there's really powerful physical evidence too. Yes, he's in the car. His blood's in the car. There's ballistics yes. in the car. Did you ever get the gun? Did you ever get the rifle? No, that's one thing we didn't get. You know, and no, nobody knew. I think if he would have told somebody what happened to it. Um, that somebody that we came in contact with, uh, we would have found it. You yeah. know, no one ever said, "Oh, he told me he, told, he dumped the gun in the ocean." You know, I want to think. I want to think we did have Harbor maybe do a little bit of uh, a look around the bridge. Well, Harbor, you threw a little bone to Harbor. Little Harbor, yeah, come on out. You know, <laughs> drag the magnet around. Come on, man. Come on, bring your boat out here. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we got them. We got them on the show. You know what? Now that I think of it, we did have Harbor come out. So you, you get a little credit there, Donnie. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, we had the case pretty much, you know, wrapped up. We did have an issue with the time with the ME. 
uh, but all this information, you know, uh, added up and uh, we had it pretty good. Now there was a little tidbit that came on a little later on too, which was pretty, uh, pretty good. Um, out of the other phone calls, we answered pretty much all out. A few of them were like for call, you know, Craigslist call girls, come all the, come up to the hotel, do your thing type thing. But there was another girl, you know, appeared uh, somewhat legitimate who, who lived in Marine Park. She lived above a pharmacy on Quentin Road. And um, that apparently was one of his girlfriends, one of his steady girlfriends. Yeah. And um, there were some phone calls to her. And also some calls to, um, what was it, a car service um, or a limo service in Sheepshead Bay. So we went over to the car service, speak to him. And it's, you know, we get there, there's a, you know, big, big guy at the door, no neck, big square head guy, you know. <laughs> no, I tell yeah, him what the you know, like yeah, big hands, you know, but not like that, but big not hands, like big, big everything, you know. Yeah. You know, you, you know, come in, you must speak to boss, you know. You know, okay, and we go into this place, which is like an unassuming storefront. But when you go in, you're like, everything's marble, fountains. It's just, it's one of those type of places. Yeah. You know? So I'm saying to my partner, I'm saying, this is either going to be great or um, we're not going to come out the same way we walked in. <laughs> you know, it's one of those places. But we go there, we speak to the owner, and he's, he's on top of everything. And he says, listen, he goes, yes, that girl does work here. And you know what? She does work here. And, and we... You know, she works the switchboard. We do a limo service to people that want, you know, need rides to wherever. And uh, we record our phone calls. So what do you mean? He goes, oh, everything, every call that comes into the base is recorded. Well, like, you're kidding me, you know? All right, what about this one? Yeah, okay. So it's the button. And it's white boy John and this girl talking on the phone. And he's telling her... Um, about how he killed Alex. And she's like, you're full of shit. It said in the paper that he was stabbed. Now, going back to the day we found the body, the investigator had said apparent stab wounds, put it on the unusual, went out to a DCPI, and it was a little thing in the police blot or whatever, stabbed. Right. And he's basically saying, fuck you, that paper's bullshit. I told you I killed him. I <laughs> shot him with my, M my M1 or M16. I told you I shot, I shot him 10 times. Yeah. That paper's bullshit. So with that, boom, now, we, now you know, we're, we're all good. You know, everything's good. Wow. Um, so really the case that really started out with a lot of these cases, and I, like we call them dump jobs because, you know, it didn't happen at the thing. The body was dumped and right. whatever. Um, like I, I do, again, it is a human being and that's the most important thing. So when I say I like these cases or it's a great case, I mean that from a, an investigative standpoint, sure, sure. Not, not, a, not a personal standpoint. But um, I do I do like working those cases a lot better than, than a fresh case. And I've had the, success was with the them. DA, was the DA happy with all the... All of the, the DA, cases. yes. The DA was great. Stephen Murphy had the case. He was with the DA's office at the time. Oh. Great DA. Um, and uh, he, you know, he was, you know, always, you know, helpful with us. We needed a subpoena, whatever we needed, he was there. And sure. he wound up, uh, you know, being assigned a case at some point. And um, he wound up prosecuting the case. Okay. Which, oddly enough, first time around, it's a hung jury. I was just going to bring that up, you know, like yeah. people that don't do this for a living, they would think that this, this is a slam dunk. This guy should plead guilty. Yeah. And to think that with all the evidence you have, yeah, eyewitnesses and and, right. and 
it was a hung jury. You're like, how did that happen? How could that happen? It well, did. you know what they say, it only, it only takes one, you know? Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, so I, I don't know, but it was one holdout. Um, but we did get a retrial, which really in Brooklyn, I don't, I've never really heard of many retrials, yeah. uh, but the case was so, you know, tight. And, um, you know, the DA's agreed, the DA's office agreed to do it again because they believe so strongly in his guilt, which, you know, which, like you said, it was a tremendous, from nothing, from a case that could have just went, went nowhere, even if we found the victim's name, but we really were able to, uh, based on that, that holy grail, a piece of paper, where we were able to, to move through things. And uh, about, about six months, you know, six months later, we dropped, you know, you dropped paper and then the trial went on and stuff like that. Right. The retrial, he got convicted and uh, got his 25 to life. So What a, what a great first homicide for that uh, detective. Uh, yes, yes. You know, I mean, he had to have learned a ton doing that case because, you know, people think when you, when you tell this story, they, they may think like, oh, that was so easy. <laughs> you know, it, when you tell the story, it sounds easy. But, yeah, yeah. you know, it's never easy, right? No, well, you know, it, it's it's one thing finding a witness, and then you know, if we when we found the Spanish girl in Bushwick, uh, well, was she going to talk? Right. You, know, you could find her. She could say, "I don't know what you're talking about." He called me. Yeah, he tells me he loves me. He hangs up. Right. You know, then what? So everything, you know, it's it sounds smooth, and a lot of it did go smooth, but um, it's not as easy as that. There are steps you got to take, and you can't just, you know, you got to approach people a certain way and and deal with, uh, you know, either either a lack of uh, caring by the witness or the subject or, or, or f they're afraid or, or there's a number of things. So right. you have to take that all into account when, when you speak to, you know, people, witnesses. But all, you know, also in, in soliciting information, it's, it's how you do it. You know, it is that old Yiddish word schmooze, right? Yes. Right. Schmooze people, right? right. Yeah. And that's, that's a key to getting information, whether it's an interview or an interrogation, even if someone's going to, confess to something right you know, they have to like the person they're confessing right to. right yes. i mean you've seen that a million times right yes yes Guys, they right. hate a detective in the room and they'll say i'll tell you get him out of the room yeah right get, right. get out of here get out yeah. right yeah i'll kick him the hell out of the room so right. tell me right that's right no, so there, is, yeah. there is a definite uh way that you get information right yes you know, we had, like I said, the blueprint, but we still had to go out there and, and, and make it happen and track stuff down. And she was very good, you know, the, the detective. She wound up going, staying in the squad for a while, went to the 7-0 squad, uh, did well for herself. But, yeah, no, it was, it was a great first case because she got to do a little bit of everything, except yeah. for the actual, you know, interrogation, interview of, of the perpetrator. Everything else came in, and it worked out to be a, a really uh, good case again. And, you know, uh, we were able to bring the family uh, – some closure and, and, and get, um, you know, explain to them what happened and why it happened. Um, and really the victim, although he had brushes with the law, he, he didn't deserve anything near this. No. There wasn't anything you could put your finger on. Uh, you know what? You know, a lot of these guys, a lot of these cases, what goes around comes around. There was really no need for this. This was just some kid. I came from Gerritsen, which is pretty much a, a blue collar neighborhood. Um, but his family had money. They owned the business. They had a big house there and stuff. And right. he was just trying to be, be the, you know, be somebody who wasn't. And, uh, you know, and this kid paid for it, you know. It's a shame, you know. That white boy John guy, he was really like just, 
it seemed like he was just like trying to show off in front of this girl. Yes. And uh, and I don't blame him, but he I would have went about it a different way. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, she was a very pretty girl. It is a pretty, very pretty girl, and I get it. But you know, I don't know if I you know wanted to be with a girl. I don't know if committing a murder in front of her would be the way I'd want to. You know, <laughs> how you book fest <laughs> What are you doing for the rest of your life? What are you doing I'm next Saturday? Ride with me. I'm going to kill somebody. In front of you yeah, uh, wait till you see next day and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mike, this was uh, fascinating. Yes. Case, even though, you know, it's good for people when they listen to these real crime stories to hear how you develop things from almost from nothing. Yes. And like you said, this case took six months, nine months to put together, you know, and then uh, the first trial was a mistrial and you had to do it all over again. You know? Yeah. So right. it's so important that you um, got your eyes and cross your T's, you know? Yes. Yeah. No, it, it worked out. Uh, in the end, it worked out for everybody, you know? You know, and never overlook any little bit of evidence because you think, ah, we got enough evidence. Yes. No, you evidence. never do. You know? Look, yeah, look, witnesses can recant. People, I never said that. The detectives made me say that. A lot of things happen once... You know, once the defense attorneys, investigators get a hold uh, of, of people and stuff, they twist things around and you know how that goes, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think he just got it in, in over his head a little bit there, uh, Mr. Uh, and his name, oddly enough, which why we call get we called it the Strawberry Fields case. Why was it? Why? Well, the perpetrator's name is John Lennon. I didn't know his last name. Yes. I just John Lennon, yes. I just knew it as White Boy John. <laughs> yes. It's, it's it's funny. There's always some humor into this stuff. And yeah. you have a macabre sense of humor, but uh, Strawberry Fields case. I was wondering why I, I didn't know the guy's last name. Yeah, yeah. So that that's, uh, that's I knew it. him as White Boy John. That was, uh, that was good enough for me. You know? Yeah, no, he tried to be a gangster and he just... Uh, I love that John Gotti quote, and I heard it's yes. Where, uh, everybody wants to be a gangster until it's time to do gangster things, right? Until, yeah, right. Yeah, and uh, he, uh, he just, it just went wrong. You know, yeah. he was in over his head. Unfortunately, you know, he, he took somebody's life. Um, but uh, I, I don't know it's what. It's always fascinating to people, also, they don't do this. The guy who rented the car, he never called the police either. No. <laughs> He had no intention. Is he would have lived his whole life and you know. Yeah, meanwhile, people like you know me and you might be you know we might have like okay fix the car and bring it back, yeah. but we would have slept for, for for three months thinking the cops could have come in the door any day now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just another day in Brooklyn, I guess. You know, the girl doesn't she witnesses a murder, doesn't report it, but when you come to see her, she'll tell you what happened. Right. Uh, that's it. You got to go out and get it. Nobody's coming in. <laughs> there's, there's no morals. No. Anyway, Mike, this was fascinating. A great, great, great case. You got anything you want to plug? Anything you want to say to our audience? Uh, boy, I want to thank you again for, uh, you know, let me come on, tell a little story. I'll probably pull and, your ass in again. You know, I know you got more stories than this, you know. Yeah, no, I got a few, I got a few here and there. You got so, a few uh, more 30 years of police work. you got to have more stories, right? Yes, no, I know. These are great stories. Anyway, yeah. again, I think... And most of, them, most of them are true, too, Bill. I, I, I hope so, man. If you <laughs> made that up, then we need to get you down to Hollywood and just tell these stories. No. Make for these people, you know? <laughs> no, but... Uh, yeah, so, again, thank you. And to all the guys out there, all our, you know, law, law enforcement brothers and sisters, God bless you guys. 
and girls stay safe. You're doing God's work, especially in these times. It's, yeah. it's, it's rough. Um, so hang in there, do the right thing. And everybody, you know, hope everybody stays safe. And, uh, thanks again, brother. Appreciate it. Thanks Mike. And I'm Bill Cannon for police off the cuff. And this has been real crime stories with retired detective Mike Heinrichs. Thanks again, Mike. All right, Bill. I'll see you. Take care. All right.